Welcome to Opening Stage VGH, the video game history podcast for everyone. I'm your host, Dean Beaver, and I'm once again joined by my lovely wife, Meredith. Hello, hello. This is a first for our 21st episode of the podcast here. Ooh, the podcast can drink now. Yeah. Uh, Hide your wives. (laughs) Hide your children. That's still funny, right? Anyway, we've got not one, but two return guests here on the podcast. For those of you who listened to the Echo the Dolphin episode, uh, we have Joseph Ramsky back in the house with us. That was an... Oh, yeah. That's right. That that was a wild episode. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very wild episode. And for those of you who listened to our All Your Base or Belong to Us episode, we have Brian Zinda back in the house with us. Hello! That was a fun episode. That was fun. Also yeah. fun episode, yes. I don't want to, like, jerk myself off too much, but... Like, I don't want you to do that either, <laughs> I would actually be interested in in uh, seeing how you would do that, so if you could go <laughs> oh on, go on, please. Uh, don't encourage him, Joseph. No wonder he was on the <laughs> Echo podcast. I know, right? <laughs> God. Uh, this, bad already. this was a bad idea oh man that took that took no time at all my god <laughs> well we just degraded ourselves right down right in the beginning everyone knows right, we're where we're at start now. over we're starting right. over no no we're going forward we're going forward it's only up we can only go up but i i, I was gonna say like I did feel pretty good about the way that I wrote that All Your Base episode because I was like, here's this boring game that nobody knows about, but then here's this like pop culture phenomenon that resulted because of that. And like right halfway through, they're like, oh my God, this is this? Yeah, ah! that, it, it was great. It, it was it was really a surprise when we got to that moment. Yeah, it was fun. I, I guess I'll uh, just ask, you know, what's new with you guys? Uh, maybe give like a quick introduction to yourselves, maybe a tweet or less. That's kind of the standard here on the podcast. And, and just let us know what you're up to. Uh, we'll start with you, Joe, because it's been longer since you've been on the podcast. It has, it has. Yeah, so I'm Joe Ramsky. Dean and I met back in 2011 here in Chicago, where I still live. And what have I been up to? So since the last time I was on the podcast, I got engaged uh, to my fiance, Sarah Geis. We're getting married this fall, November 2022. All all three of these fellows that I'm looking at right now are going to be at the wedding, I hope. Yay, um, so, yes, Brian, I'm you're invited! invited. Yes, oh. yes, Brian. You're invited. I love um, going to other people's weddings after having thrown my own. Right. Oh my god. Because because then you're just like, I don't have to plan any of this. I don't I know. Pay or anybody. pay for I any just of get it. To, I'm like, I buy yeah. gifts and I'm in. Yeah. You just get and then you get to eat the food and dance the dance, drink the drinks, and then you know, everybody everybody has a great time. But that happens. I actually, around this time last year, uh, I helped produce and also acted in a digital like short film with a bunch of fellow poets and actors, which was really fun. And then since then, I've honestly been focusing on writing. I've written, I wrote a play last year and then I finished making rewrites to a young adult novel that I'm having some beta readers look at now. I got some very good encouraging feedback so far. And um, oh, I started a new job too uh, at a marketing agency. So that's been super dope. Yeah, and then in gaming stuff, both Brian and Dean know this, uh, I I recently became obsessed with the Soulsborne games and have spent the last like year and change playing through those. So very excited for Elden Ring. I've also awesome. been playing some Pokemon as of late, as Brian knows. So that's um that's been taking over my brain for the past week. I'm like super old man, like get off my lawn. I haven't played anything since the first 
two, maybe three Pokemon games. Which shocks me, by the way. Yeah. Wait, you didn't Give... play Sword or Shield? No, no. Fuck oh. that game. Oh, okay. It's aggressive. All right. Man. <laughs> well, guess, guess we know where somebody stood on Brexit, huh? No, like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, if, if it doesn't have missing, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, nice callback. Reference, but whatever. I, in, in kind of a follow-up to that, I did read kind of an interesting study about Missing No. For those of you who don't know, Missing No is a glitched Pokemon that appears in the very first two Pokemon games, uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. And I think- I've been I, told about this before. But anyway, like you have to follow a series of specific events to find this Pokemon. And when you fight it, you can catch it. And it's like a weird type. Missing No actually stands for missing number. So it's not uh, a grass or water or fire. I think it, if, I, if I recall correctly, it's actually like normal and bird type. But I was going to I was going to quote one of my favorite characters from The Matrix and just say that it's more like a virus. But uh, um, <laughs> it can corrupt your save. Data. Thanks, Brian. It multiplies the like sixth item in your inventory like 256 times. But the study the study was that like missing no is really important because it served as like a life event for a lot of people in which they stopped viewing video games as like an alternative experience to reality versus like a computer program that could be manipulated. Huh. Interesting. That's fascinating and makes a lot of sense at the same time. But anyway, maybe that's why I'm resistant to all the new Pokemon. Like I stopped playing Pokemon Go because at one point I was like, is this I what I wanted? I it when you played Pokemon Go. We used to get to go on walks. Maybe, maybe I could bring it back, but like part of me was like, is this what I want to do with my life? I mean, yeah. though, though, okay. I don't know if this is too much for a Sunday evening, but like, I think that about like a lot of things sometimes. Like I'm like, <laughs> like right now, I was just telling everyone that I am 74,000 words into a book that I've been writing and I've only been writing it for like 21 days. So basically everything I've been doing outside of work and working out, and even when I'm working out, I'm thinking about the goddamn book. So I'm like, this is, this is a lot of my life that I have like put into this story that is made up about nothing and no one that is ever going to exist. And like, what am I doing? And then I'm like, well, what else would I have been doing? I would have been reading stories that someone else wrote about made up stuff. And then I was like, what is life? You are a <laughs> god of creation. Yeah, Meredith, like that's, you know. Creator it, of worlds. It, if, we, if we view creation as something that is arguably next to the divine in in some manner and that you're giving birth to something that didn't exist before which is you know arguably Ooh. what you could sort of liken which any, is why actors were persecuted in the dark ages that is also true that is also true but like isn't also left-handed people also left-handed people but isn't that technically the, one of the highest purposes that you could be called to is is giving like life to idea. something i like yeah. that yeah i like that better than that i'm just living in my head yeah. <laughs> 24 <Yes>. 7. <laughs> well, I mean, also, like, but if I share it with people and other head, people like it, then that is, that is, yep, that is yeah. a good thing, I guess. And, like, what's, what's the difference between living in your head and just, and just living? Exactly. Is, yeah. the, do you take the red pill or the blue pill? Yes. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> I take so, yeah. both. I mean, I kind of think that, like, when, 
when you taught us bringing it back to Pokemon Go, like, it's like, is this what I want to be doing with my life? It's like, well, we live in this weird time where we've got all the food and we're at the top of the chain and we're really safe for the most part. So like, do the things you want to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. and yeah, be exactly. thankful for the fact that our ancestors got us here. I just yes. had this, I just had this conversation <laughs> with my um, family. Cause like my family, they're not huge on video games and I love video games. But I, I brought up the argument of like, hey, you're going to watch football on a Sunday for nine hours. Yeah, uh, right? What's, what's the difference if I play video games for four hours? But you think I'm you think I'm weird for doing that. But it's just I like different things and I will spend my time doing different things. Everybody yeah. has something that they want to spend doing nine hours of, of their day with. So and if you like it that much, like it's not like you're doing meth or something you know it's, it's not, gonna not say, like i'm doing meth i'm not i'm not and you know say, like it's not destroying you or your relationship with other people like we're still we still all made it here we're still chatting with each other we're having social time that's right there's there's more there's other things that you could be passionate about and one of those things is heroin <laughs> i suppose i could be passionate about heroin i've never given yeah. it a try you know no, same, same. I, 2022 open to new experiences every everybody's got to have a church you know like everybody's <laughs> got to have some kind of church on that note uh brian brian yes. what are what are you all up in uh, no it's not heroin it's not heroin but oh, thank um, god yes kind of kind of like joe i've i've taken a relationship to a new level um i have a new office chair Ooh. and um it's very comfortable it has a built-in back massager to it that is fantastic. Yes. So that's that's pretty great. That's um, how you know you've made it. That's how you know you've made it. Unlike Joe, I am still alone, but I am here with all you friends, which is great. You've only just begun to live. But yeah, not much has changed since the last time we spoke a couple months ago. I, I have gotten a, a promotion at work as well. So that is hey. good. Awesome. Um, Doing more stuff, doing more more training things. And unlike Dean, I am just counting down the days for the next Pokemon game coming out. <laughs> but again, no relation to heroin. Just But, just but no so, relation to yeah. heroin. I no. I have yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. tried it. I've drawn the the line at Angel Dust. Yeah, Pokemon okay. is yeah. not is not heroin. Just correct. Heroin. Correct. What do Although you guys I know did, about Molly. I did well, she's a good uh, friend of mine. I think um, it's from I think it's from generation the generation six Pokemon games. Okay. Uh, Brian, if we're gonna talk about wrong, Pokemon, I, she I just into Margaret. I just watched a video about a fan Pokemon game. Do you know about these fan Pokemon games that that are created? I I've dabbled a little bit. I don't want to spoil anything, but I actually have like an episode coming up about a bootleg video game. Is it but... Pokemon Uranium? No. I just watched a video about Pokemon Uranium, and it's about nuclear reactors exploding on these islands and causing the whole population to mutate and like have to flee from these nuclear reactors. And there's like a, a boss level Pokemon called Uran Me. It's so oh, funny. Geez. It's so good. In Fallout our, Pokemon. Our very first episode of the podcast, we talked a little bit about Lavender Town. About a killing kid? Well, uh, well, I think we that did... was a just me and Dean podcast. It was. Yeah, I remember that episode. That's that's wild. That whole 
Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go on. But um, but yeah, there there was a, a rumor. Uh, it's probably just like creepy pasta. Um, so which basically means like it's an internet ghost story. There's a creepy pasta about a, a fabled boss fight against Living Dead. I think it's called. And like like it's super hard. And even if you're not, even if you somehow are able to get all the way through it, the zombie eats you. And yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you this a link. Is, this is different than the Lavender Town that I heard. I heard the the Lavender Town creepypasta about the soundtrack to Lavender Town. Yeah, there's there's that too, Larry. If you listen to it long enough, it makes this like weird distorted sound wave that turns out to actually be like the ghost that you encounter there. But I mean, all of this is bullshit. But I am actually convinced that we had a ghost in our house on Friday night. That's amazing. I'll let you Wait, tell the story on. real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we were just chilling in the other room. I was writing, Dean was playing video games. You no, know, doing what we love. And Cloud, who is our least, who's the cat that we own that gives the least amount of shits about anything, would not go into the office and was like puffed up, like kind of stalking at the door, like, like he saw something. And I was like, Dean, what's in there? Is there a bug or something? And Dean like walked in, he couldn't see anything. He picked Cloud up and held him and Cloud was like, fine when Dean held him. As soon as Dean put him down, he was like at the door, like puffy and like would like would kind of like stop close to it, but would not cross the threshold. And I was like, this is kind of freaking me out. You know what? I'm just gonna smudge the office. So I got a smudge stick that I happened to have and I like smudged the office. And what, in case you don't know. I don't know what smudging is. So it's a, it's a basically a bundle of twigs. It's like sage and lavender and all that stuff. You can buy them online or you can make your own. I bought mine online. And I believe it's originally a Native American ritual, but it basically you're cleansing the area of any negativity. So it's good if you like have a nasty breakup and they move out, you can smudge your place and start fresh, that kind of thing. So I smudged the apartment or the room and- It makes your house smell like church. As soon as I was done smudging it, Cloud like crept in, like not puffy anymore, but kind of like looking around like, is it gone? Is it gone? And he did that for a while and then he like chilled out. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna smudge the whole house. (laughs) I don't know what came in. Just gonna smudge. Are we, are you guys sure that it wasn't Sephiroth? I'm not sure of anything at this point, okay. Joe. I'm open to like, all interpretations. You know, that could be, I don't know, just throwing that out there. Also, I'm I love that Cloud, your cat Cloud, is the one who just like doesn't doesn't give a shit about anything. Like, like they were really oh well named. It is kind of funny. Cause Yeah, that's amazing. Because Aang is the lovable goofball. Well we were yeah. we were we were in the Nashville Humane Society and like I was originally th- trying to think of a Mega Man name. To, to name this cat because we had like each decided that we would each name one cat and we had just seen Avatar The Last Airbender and Meredith was like we gotta name the orange one Aang we gotta name the I orange mean, one Abba Aang didn't, Abba didn't fit him mm-hmm. give him a year and he's, he's kind of that size but no he's an Aang <laughs> he is a lovable goofball but then there was this other one who like even then I felt like it was kind of like a devious like like he, whenever you get a t- a pair of animals together. There's the one that is like the lovable goofball and the other one that's plotting to take over the world and doesn't give a shit. And yep. it was even kind of obvious then that who would be cl- named Cloud is that character. So I was thinking like maybe base from Mega Man 
who is a bad character that kind of turns good. I was like, maybe that, but like, I don't think people would get it. And we're standing in line to pay for these cats. And Meredith goes, who's that character? Who's that character you like? And I was like, what? Like the one with the big sword. And I was like, oh, Cloud? Like, yeah, yeah, that one. And I was like, I mean, it's better than what I was thinking. He's not going to be a fish or a low voice. So there you go. Very fitting. Um, so what of video games. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the episode. Both of you guys have been on the podcast before, so you pretty much know the format. I've got this book report. If you guys think of a question that you want to ask, please, please interrupt me and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Takeshi Katano was born in Adachi, Tokyo on January 18th. 1947. His father was a house painter who, according to Katano, may have had connections with the Yakuza. The Yakuza comes up a few times in the story, so the if you don't know, the Yakuza is the Japanese mafia. Okay. Uh, his mother worked at a factory in the family's working class neighborhood and was a strict disciplinarian at home. Kitano briefly attended Meiji University to study engineering before dropping out at age 19. He moved to the Asakusa district with the intention of becoming a comedian while working as an elevator operator in a strip club. Wow. I mean, this guy gets around. (laughs) I'm going to be an engineer. No, I'm going to be a comedian. Elevator in a strip club. He apprenticed with resident comedian Senzaburo Fukami and eventually became the club's MC. So, I mean... The strip clubs? Yeah. Uh, So he, I mean, like... So he's doing comedy in the strip club? He's doing comedy, but not only that, he's, like, getting in as, like, the elevator operator to get up to the strip club, and he's almost kind of literally working his way up. All right. So there's that. I didn't know they had comedy in strip clubs. I mean, I didn't know they had elevators. In have you clubs. been to one on a Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I've been to a strip club, but maybe uh, things are different in Japan. Yeah. But like maybe you need something to fill in the time between acts. I don't know. Especially like Japan's comedians. That would be a rough crowd. Also, an MC could just be someone who introduces. You know, doesn't necessarily True. they mean like mm. putting on a show, but you know, hey, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for cinnamon with an S. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> in the 1970s, Katano formed a comedy duo called The Two Beats with his friend Nero Kiyoshi Kaneko by adopting the stage names Beat Takeshi and Beat Kiyoshi, with Kiyoshi as the straight man and Takeshi as the funny man. The duo first appeared on television in 1976. Wow, they already in, are in television. Takeshi's comedy was considered. My career did not go that way. Sorry. <laughs> you're not. You're not working at the right strip clubs. I guess. Like, not. yeah, I, I I didn't know that. Like, a strip club was a path to a television career. Like, I man, know, right? I I feel like I did the wrong thing too. Now that you mentioned it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at it this way: in the 1970s, you got to get yeah, out there anyway. You got to get it out there any way you can. They didn't have the going back to my Pokemon like grandpa roots. You didn't have the TikTok that these millennials have. You got to get out there. You got to press the flesh. You gotta... Ew, ew, I don't <laughs> oh, like <God>. that. <laughs> 
Press uh, the flesh. Especially oh. that mean. What does that even uh, mean? I don't even know it, what that it, means. It's it means it means a handshake, yeah. But it Ew. is kind of like it is kind of like the worst way to describe <laughs> a handshake. Yeah, I definitely thought not, that like I may have shake, leaned into the You're shaking <laughs> hands. This one makes it just sound like you're poking each other's palms or something. <laughs> We're gonna press the flesh. You know, oh, strip, clubs, strip clubs work differently, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Huh. Anyway. Oh, God. Um, anyway, yeah, let's, let's move right I mean, along. I'm definitely using that phrase at my next job interview. <laughs> you guys, you want to press the flesh? <laughs> hey, yeah. No, I'm really no, looking no, for no, a no, career just... in which I could press more flesh. <laughs> I'm looking for more opportunities to press flesh. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 rubbing elbows, pressing flesh. You know, it's all the same stuff. I want to put my hand in your hand. Casey's comedy was considered very risque for the time, targeting targeting the socially vulnerable, uh, and by that I mean the elderly, the handicapped, children, the ugly, and the stupid. Okay, all right, wow. So he just went for everyone He's who was a down. He's a crap. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. That's uh yeah I I I I think that's changed. You know what I hate about old people? <laughs> They're old. <laughs> I mean I'm not super familiar with stand-up comedy back in the 1970s but from what I can gather like that's that's something you can say like I mean this is wheelchairs over- am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of that thing. Like, you could say that kind of thing and not oh, get canceled God. on Twitter. Well, because there was no Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's. that's and more point. people didn't have souls. They yeah. would just stop pressing flesh, is what they would do. <laughs> yep. That's yes. Yes. That is just exactly. not going away. <laughs> he confirmed in an interview that he was banned from NHK Studios, NHK being a Japanese government owned public broadcaster. So it was kind of like BBC. For England, but for Japan, uh, he was banned from NHK Studios for five years for exposing himself during a show. Wow! I mean, that'll do it. Yeah, especially. So would you say that he was trying to press some flesh on the camera? <laughs> no. All right, can we get away from this? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's that's the name of the episode now. <laughs> but like, sorry, Dean. No, you're good. Um, there's kind of a there's kind of a, a famous story about the Beatles performing in Japan uh, when they were first starting to take off. They were starting to do world tours. I'm so scared. Um, no, this is pretty clean, actually. The Beatles, like I think Paul McCartney said in a in an interview that like performing in Japan was kind of an eye opening experience for them because like they had started to get really full of themselves. And then they went to Japan and like the entire audience was super quiet and unresponsive during the performance. I do when remember they, that story. When they were used to, to crowds. People screaming and fading. Yeah, screaming during the entire performance. And so they were like, they were so quiet and polite during the entire performance that we started realizing like how much we had slipped as performers. And we started realizing like how bad we were. So it was kind of eye-opening. Getting back into Takeshi Kitano. While the duo had national success from the late 70s into the early 80s, Takeshi decided to go solo, becoming one of the three biggest comedians in Japan. 
He continued to have success hosting television shows, particularly Takeshi's Castle, a game show featuring slapstick physical challenges. I hate it. This show was eventually redubbed and rebroadcast in America as Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. No. know this show. No. Oh, my God. Holy crap. That just blew my mind. This is the precursor to the Wipeout show. I don't know this. I know nothing. I just know that I hate it. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was, oh, my God. Sorry. Interesting. Keep going. Yes. Um, oh, okay. I mean, like, I, because I remember most stream elimination challenge being on when I was like, I, I want to say like middle school. high. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Maybe. It was definitely middle school to, to high school for me. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. oh, God, what was, what channel was it on? But like, that's crazy. Spike TV. When Spike it was Spike TV. TV. Spike, was Spike TV. Uh, yes, it was. was. Spike TV. Oh, the network for dudes, because uh, of course we needed that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when they first came out with like when Spike TV first was a thing and they were like, we're a TV network for men. And even then as like, you know, a, I was a, like, a really? 13 year old. Yeah. I was just like, wait, but aren't like TNT yeah, just like this, plays this Die Hard all the time. What do you mean? It's a, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? What are you talking about a TV network for men? Like, I don't understand. But anyway. Yeah, Spike um, TV. Is it Spike TV still around? I don't no, think so. No okay. way. <laughs> Not in 2022. <laughs> Although you'd be surprised. I, I bet you they are in some fashion. The big thing that I remember about most extreme elimination challenges, I remember there was one episode where one guy like ended up falling into like a, a really muddy lake that they had constructed for this show. And as he was falling in, the guy who dubbed him yelled, Ah, nose nuggets! <laughs> this, yes, I think I remember this as well. Nose and nuggets. It. When they were doing sign off, the What's sign that even off. I mean, are you talking about boogers? Yes. Yes. Um, and when they, were doing, when they were doing the sign off at the end of the episode, like their catchphrase from the show was like, Don't get eliminated! And so they did it. Um, what a stupid and show. You're not wrong. <laughs> Truly. God. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but they were doing the, they did I'm the- I'm so like, mad that this existed. And yet I don't know why I'm surprised. And so they do it like at the end of the episode, but like one of the guys like kept, kept repeat, repeating the phrase nose nuggets. So it was like, don't get eliminated. Nose nuggets. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so every God, now and- it's like are we just apes like what uh so Sorry. every now and then like when me and my older brother are hanging out like and something goes wrong mom couldn't get the sweet potatoes for thanksgiving dinner and we just we'll just look at each other and just be like ah oh, nose nuggets <laughs> oh my god voluntarily married into this <laughs> i i always <laughs> I always it always fascinates me like what weird things from pop culture people like just offhandedly say or have as like a, an inside joke with each other because this yeah, is especially families it. yeah yes it's so it's always so fascinating to me because like my family does not do that but I personally will always say son of a diddly which for all those who don't know is is a line that Flanders says in the Simpsons and I'm not even a particularly big Simpsons fan but people will be like when they hear me say it they're like I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, it's just a thing that I, it just is etched on in my brain. 
you know so i'm glad to know dean that you and your brother like have most extreme relation challenge that's the same kind of thing yes yes yeah i feel like every family probably has that same kind of thing like we know this secret thing that nobody else knows about and that's what makes us a family yes my dad okay murders this is this is ours um this is one of ours so like my dad doesn't remember things exactly but he'll remember like the sentiment behind them and he also likes to make jokes and he's a dad so they're not always good and like he's always making them at me and my sister and me and my sister of course are like and this is when we were teenagers and we all loved the princess bride and so there's that part where fezzik and indigo are on the boat and they're like Fazzini he likes to fuss 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 teach him not to scream at us and and they're rhyming back and forth and at the end Fazzini goes no more rhymes now and I mean it and Fezzik goes anybody want a peanut and like we all thought that was hilarious so my dad whenever he's like making a joke and it doesn't land he'll go want a peanut oh that's incredible <laughs> like that's just, incredible just want oh a my peanut. god and so like we'll oh, be like oh my god doing whatever and he'll say something and be like want a peanut like sometimes he does the elbow nudge <laughs> it's just like he's written it on birthday cards before <laughs> roses are red i love you daddy want a peanut <laughs> oh my god Meredith, your dad was already cool, but like this, this, this like confirms the upper echelons of of coolness because uh, that's perfect. That is perfect. We might have to put it on his tombstone. (laughs) Anyway. In the future, in the future. future, Well, that's another thing he says. He's always dying. Dean can like, Dean can can verify. Like He's everything. like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be alive for much longer. Like it's constant. So to the point where we're just like, we're well, gonna die soon, right? So you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> anyway, like, yeah. for the for the Corvettes. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Getting back on topic, Katano's first major film role was a harsh POW camp sergeant in Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence where he appears alongside the likes of Tom Conti, Ryuichi Sakamoto, and David Bowie. While what? Kata- yeah. While David Kata- Bowie's in here now. While Katano stated that he was happy with his portrayal as a stern and serious character, he admitted that he snuck into a showing of the movie only to have the audience burst out in laughter when he entered the scene. After this, he vowed only to play serious, dark characters in film. Okay. Ominous. This is such a journey. Like, this is... Oh, strap yourself in. Oh, God. In 1989, Katano was cast as the lead character in the film Violent Cop. When the director... I mean, it sounds dark. <laughs> There's nothing light about that. So so they, they didn't just want to call it Cop? Cop. Like just, <laughs> yeah. We need a description. It was 1989. Fair, fair. That was when, like, Dare was still okay. Um... <laughs> When the director stepped down after problems with Katano's television commitments, the film's distributor suggested he direct the film at his own pace. Because that happens all the time. (laughs) Katano heavily rewrote the script, and it began his career as an influential filmmaker. This is crazy. Like, from (laughs) strip club to, like... Anyway, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's an influential filmmaker. Right? Yeah, I don't know who oh. this person is. Like like I said, strap yourself in. All right, I'm ready. Throughout the next three decades, Kitano saw success with numerous films where his style was defined with long takes, 
minimal camera movement, brief dialogue, sly humor, and sudden violence. Some of these films include, but are not limited. I mean, I don't hate those things. Oh, go ahead. One, A Scene at the Sea, 1991. A deaf garbage man is determined to learn how to surf after finding a discarded, broken surfboard. This film won Catano a prestigious Blue Ribbon Award and marked the beginning of a nine-year partnership with Joe Hisashi. For those of you who don't know Joe Hisashi, he did the music for a lot of Studio Ghibli films. So like Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro. Really? Yeah. Wow. Long story short, he's in with like the elite Japanese filmmakers. Yeah. Okay. Two, getting any? 1995. Based on his time at the strip club, press in the flesh. (laughs) Press in the flesh. (laughs) Returning to his comedy roots, this film follows a meek, mild man with a wild fantasy life who attempts to have sex in a car. Okay. 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 Attempts. This airplane style film features several comedic sketches that satirize Japanese popular culture, including Godzilla and Super Sentai fighter shows like Power Rangers. Because that's what and I think was... of when I'm having sex in a car. Y- yeah, and this... this I mean, I, me too! Oh, I, I have so many questions. I think of Power so Rangers and questions. Godzilla! And also, I'm, I'm also like, I'm, I'm like, okay, so I know which film I, I need to look up on, you know, uh red box or whatever now to uh to check out because like i like how it's an air, like yeah it's it's like it's an airplane style film that is also sending up godzilla and power rangers while this guy's trying having to have sex in a car sex. attempting yeah. attempting attempting yeah. yeah it's like what what and it's because godzilla has- interrupts him <laughs> I have not I have not seen this movie, but I think like that's the deal. <laughs> I mean, there's only so many places you can go with that character. Yeah. Yeah. It almost writes itself, you know. <laughs> Three. Hanabi, 1997. Detective Yoshitaka Nishi, played by Katano, is a violent cop who was forced to retire after an arrest gone awry. Nishi robs a bank to repay the Yakuza money that he borrowed to take care of his wife, who is sick with leukemia. When the Yakuza attempt to extort more money from Nishi, he flees with his wife, who are soon captured by the police on a beach. Nishi asks for the arresting officer for a private moment with his wife, and two gunshots are heard off screen. While not a financial success... This film cemented Kitano's status as one of the country's foremost filmmakers rather than making films as a hobby of a comedian. Mm. Interesting. So okay. he's gone he's gone from like hey I'm funny over here to like I'm a filmmaker. He's I'm kind funny of at the strip club. He's kind of like the Japanese Jordan Peele, if that makes mm. any sense. Mhm. Mhm. Just with yeah, with the time at the strip club added and yeah. Four, Brother, 2000. Kitano stars as an exiled Yakuza who establishes a drug empire in Los Angeles with the help of another gangster played by Omar Epps. Intended to be an international hit, the film received a lukewarm response abroad but performed better than Hanabi financially in Japan. And number five, Zatoshi, 03. 
Directed by and starring Katano, a blind swordsman comes to the defense of innocent townspeople who are being charged excessive protection money from the Yakuza. This film garnered widespread international acclaim, much needed after middling reviews for Katano's two previous films. So he's basically like Daredevil? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm still I mean, none of these none of these films sound uninteresting i know um, in, like I'm, in fact I'm, a couple of them yeah i i like i'm like yeah sign me up you know i think brother like like i said it was meant to be an international hit and it didn't quite land right and i don't know if that was something that occurred because two countries with differing value systems made a film together about mm. a drug empire but i you have heard the name omar epps like, I feel like I know that name. Not getting too deep into it, and it's probably best that we don't. Um, I suffer from epilepsy, and uh, my older brother makes the joke frequently that my favorite actor should be Omar Epps because I suffer from epilepsy. Does Jesus. Omar Epps suffer from epilepsy? I think the first three letters of his last name. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Omar, Omar Epps was, was on House. He was he was one of House's proteges. Okay, I never saw House, but um, I, I know his name from something. Anyway, I just yeah. All I know is that the guy who plays House was one of the burglars in the live action One Hundred and One Dalmatians movie with Glenn Close. Wow! And the really? other yeah, what a and start. The, and the other burglar turned out to be Mr. Weasley. I mean, wow. Hugh Laurie was a huge comedian before House. Anyway. Katano continues to make films to this day, his latest being 2017's Outrage Coda, the end of his Outrage trilogy. I know, I don't know if either of you guys have seen this movie, but have you ever seen the Battle Royale movie? Oh, yes. Why why would I? Why would I I don't think I have. Um, I I have seen Battle Royale. Katano plays the teacher that gets gets slighted. Yeah. Uh Uh Yes. Holy shit. Oh my God. Okay. So that I I'm, I'm having like a bit of recollection of what this man looks like. How that, is he involved in video games though? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. This is the, this is the most epic journey. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm also curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. In 1986, Katana was approached. We're back to 86. Wait, now. we're going back in time. That, yeah. That's why I said the year. Oh, 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 wow. oh snap! Dude. Someone's getting a little sassy. In 1986, Katano was approached about making a video game based off of Takeshi's Castle for the Nintendo Famicom, which is the Japanese equivalent to the Nintendo Entertainment System. While that game would eventually be made and utilize the Nintendo Power Pad, Katano approached the company with a different idea for a video game. Does anyone want a power pad, by the way? No, no, they we don't. Have one. We have one. You do? We could send it to Joe. No, no, we can't. <laughs> I mean, he could borrow it for the no, we can't. five years you've no, had we can't. it that he you have He told me that he didn't want anything to do with it and that I should hang it up in the office room. That's what he told me. <laughs> Joe, back me up. Yeah, back yeah, me up! I, I said that uh, yesterday in a voice memo to yeah. Dean, and then it disappeared because that's what voice memos do, so yeah. it's lost to the ether. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm but sorry. he heard it. I said it. Uh, Never have so, Joe help you out if you're having an affair. Remember when Snapchat well, it's usually Joe who I have an affair uh, with. So. <laughs> also true. 
And yes, I remember. I remember. Wait, it was, was in the snap flesh. Well done. Takeshi no Chosenjo, which translates to the ultimate challenge from Beat Takeshi, was released to the world on December 10th, 1986. The game follows an unnamed despondent salaryman who seeks treasure on a remote island in the South Seas. It has received largely negative reviews due to its unreasonable (laughs) gameplay requirements, which are difficult to clear without knowing how to do so beforehand. Katana was a known skeptic of video games in the first place, and supposedly the only input he had on the design of the game occurred when he was drunk at a bar. (laughs) I mean... My God. Katano himself starred in two different commercials for the game, which actually held cryptic hints on solving the game's puzzles. As the salary... Was he drunk in the commercials? I don't think so. Uh, I looked them up on YouTube and I think he's just like playing the game in like weird poses. And it's so like, he could have been drunk. I will neither confirm nor deny. Has anyone ever seen that Orson Welles commercial? <laughs> oh, that Orson Welles commercial. Have you guys seen that? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I, oh my God. Yeah, I don't God. think so. There's All a, right, we'll have to watch that at the end. Yeah. Uh, long story Orson Welles is trashed. Yeah. There's a and commercial. Chewing scenery like a mofo. There's a commercial oh, yeah, where that, he's. That surprise me. It's a commercial for a champagne that he's trying to film, and they keep giving him champagne that he's promoting. <laughs> uh, so, like. He goes, ah! <laughs> That's like literally, he's got one line and he's stripped. But, like, he he's like been filming for four or five hours and he's wasted. This is one of the greatest actors of the 20th century and just being like, ah, the French <laughs> champagne. Long, exalted for its excellency. I've seen a Malort commercial like that. It is so similar. Yeah. Except it's just in black and white with Orson Welles and no one pukes on anyone. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds amazing. I have I'll no idea. you guys existed. after the, the recording. But anyway. Okay. As the salary man, you go to bar gold and get drunk after a hard day's work. So that makes sense as he came up with a design at the bar. Yeah. You wake yeah. up. You wake up the next day with your wife beating you, convinced you're seeing someone else. What a don't ask, don't ask Joe for help. Don't ask Joe <laughs> for yes. help. Yes, Press that would be flesh. a bad idea. Yes, yes. Pressing some flesh. I mean, not pressing some flesh. I mean, uh, go on. <laughs> you divorce her and give her 75% of the money you have on you. Oh, oh. wow. It, it's heavily suggested that you take the necessary shamisen and hang gliding lessons prior to this so you give your now ex-wife the least amount of money possible. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah. a one time fee. <laughs> yeah. All right. After singing the Divorces same... in Japan are weird. Yeah. I I, I wait, hold on. <laughs> why are there why are there hand gliding and then what was the what was the first thing? Uh, shamisen lessons. It's a Jap- traditional Japanese stringed instrument, similar to a guitar, but not exactly. Is it like a dulcimer? Okay. Actually, I think it's closer to a banjo. Oh, I like dulcimers. I- is, it, oh. is it the one? Is it the one with two strings and you have the pick? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, why do you need to take those those lessons? Why are the lessons required? So you can spend your money we'll before it. giving that to your wife. Ex-wife. Okay, so I'm just like, okay, so okay. So, like, 
you go, you go get drunk, you wake up and your wife is beating you. Like, I, I also wonder what time of day this is happening. And then, no. and where she was, where she was when you came home. And because um, if she's not sleeping anyway, and then like suddenly, like immediately you're getting divorced and you're giving her 75% of the cash you have on you. You said what you have on you. Yeah. So like he just had enough for like these lessons and shit on him. Before, before he got drunk. Well, I've, for what it's worth, I've watched a number of different run-throughs of this game. Probably getting caught up on the wrong things. Probably. Why Um, am I expecting logic? No. Like I said, Takeshi Kitano was a skeptic of video games. So you'll find out pretty, you'll find out pretty quickly that he intentionally tried to make the worst video game that he possibly could. Interesting. Okay. I love it. I'm actually kind of here for that. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm like <laughs> big big here for that. An anti-video game video game. Like yes. <laughs> and this again, this was in 1986. So he was like the satirist getting in on the ground level. Oh um, my god. As the salary man, you go to a bar gold after getting and get drunk after a hard day of work. You wake up in the next day and your your wife's wife beating is, you. You're beating you, convinced that you're seeing someone else. You divorce uh-huh. her and give her 75% of the money that you have on you. Uh-huh. It's heavily suggested that you take the necessary shamisen and hang gliding lessons prior the to necessary this. shamisen and hang gliding lessons. So you give your now ex-wife the least amount of money possible. Okay, so this is part of this is a strategy in the game. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because so how are you going to get you you need more more you need work now and you can be a flying shamisen player because oh you've given, you've given 75 percent of your money away the shamisen player he was japanese I, I i kind of glossed over this in the thing or in what in the script that i wrote but like the thing about it is one of the first things you do is actually talk to your boss and after the discussion that you have with him, you, you, you're supposed to tender your resignation for the game. But like one of the things that he says to you before that is Christ, man, get your life together. <laughs> oh my God. I hate it when my boss tells me that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when my boss, like totally just is like, what is he, what are you doing? Come on, what are I hate you doing? it when I have to say that to my boss. Like, do you want to yeah, talk? Also true. After singing the same song three times at the karaoke bar, utilizing the microphone in the second controller of the Famicom. Is this the same game? Yes. (laughs) This is nuts. An old man presents the player with a map to a hidden treasure. However... You sang that song so good three times that here you go. He's like, I'll give you a treasure map if you leave. (laughs) Go to the beach, motherfucker. No, we'll get back to what happens to this old man. Oh, no. You can't hurt the... He's a ghost. Uh, No, no. (laughs) Well, maybe. Um, However, the map is... This is nuts. This is like a nightmare that I have. (laughs) Can we play? You have a Famicom. Can we play this game? I do have a Famicom. I don't have the game. Um, I'm ah. not sure how much it goes for. We'll get anyway. it. Ah. We'll get it. We'll do. We'll do a, a episode where we you play it. Literally, this is like when I'm telling my friends like a dream I had, and they're like, "This is the same dream. Like this is nuts. You dream oh. these things. Like this is this is like someone took one of my nightmares and put it into a video game. It gets it gets so much worse." An old man presents the player with a map to a hidden treasure. However, the map is unreadable. The player must choose. It's like my nightmares. (laughs) 
The player must choose to either soak the map in water or leave it in the sun. Does leave- one ruin it? Like, one ruins it and one makes it readable. That's no. awful. Both. If what? you leave if you leave the map in water longer than 20 minutes, it washes off the map. And if you leave it in the sun, it forces you to wait a full hour. Real time. Yes. Oh my God. This is brilliant. This is utterly brilliant. So it's kind of pick your poison. Like if you wait longer than 20 minutes in 1986, when you don't have a reliable timekeeping thing on you, you can instead wait, wait a they, full hour. They didn't have clocks in 1986. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure they had. <laughs> they had watches with second hands, Dean. Why do you, why do you <laughs> We're think not they... talking about the 19. 19- Jesus. We still use the sun, Brian. Why do you? <laughs> You're think sitting that they out there by trying... your sundial. I like, keep I time with even... a Greek sundial on my chest, like a Greek man. I mean, I, honestly, 80s... we're playing a digital game. You have digital clocks at this point. But that's why. That's why they kept trying to go they back to the future watches. in the 80s. <laughs> well, I'm... they were so confused. They were just like, "Well, yeah, we're gonna go back to the future," you know. Again, I'm. They had cable stopwatches. I'm giving giving them the benefit of doubt that maybe in 1986, not every Japanese household had a clock, had a stopwatch, which back in like 1985, when the- They're Japanese. They had all the things. They had all the the gadgets. No, when the Nintendo Famicom first came out, one in four Japanese households had it, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but that was a fucking lot for that machine at that time. I think that sounds like a one in four households. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of households. Yeah. yeah. Also, I, I can't and because of, and of because like, of that, you would think the households that would get the family would clocks. have a clock. Yes, also I agree, clocks. Brian. I, I would I think would, I but... wasn't alive in 1986 in Japan. So, <laughs> oh my God, yeah, can't you guys just like the thing that I keep focusing on is like just some kid, some kid sitting in his basement in Japan after he puts the map out in the sun and he's just like so. Did the game break? Do I just gotta wait? You know, and like, it's like, well, I guess I'll go do something else for an hour. You know, for what it's worth, I actually did look up speed runs of this game, and I don't know how deep you guys are into like speed running or anything like that. But in speed runs of this game, they literally choose to soak the map, and right. they literally just put the controller down for like twenty minutes. Oh my God, it's fucking wait, 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 insane. Wait. Okay. Uh... I need a clarification on the options then, right? So you soak the map in water, but yes. more than 20 minutes, it's ruined. Is there yes. a certain, does it have to be between 15 and 20? Like, where's that line? Mm-hmm. I don't know offhand. I would assume given- Probably the, close to 20. Yeah, I would say it's probably somewhere within 19 and 21 minutes that the window is. So you um, know what? I that's think I could probably get behind this. It's, it's like- it's like baking bread in a video game. So if you've ever mm. made bread from scratch, I did this once with my friend Tom when I visited England and like we made bread and you will put the bread to rest and the bread is resting for an hour. So you just go do other shit. I went for a run. Mm. He did some laundry. We came back. I showered. Bread is now net ready for the next step. You need that guy. Do some things. Put him back to rest. I mean, yeah. if you put it in the sun, is there a time where like after an hour... <clears throat> It goes no. up in flames. So, so putting in the sun is the safer bet. Yeah, but you have to wait longer for it. Yes, 
Putting in the, the sun is the bread baking option. Our bread, yeah, our bread, there, our bread. there's the trade-off that you have to make. After hang gliding over the red country, the salary man fights whoa, pirates. Whoa, 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 What? <laughs> so we brought we brought it back. We brought the hang gliding lessons in. Yeah. It the game literally cuts to like an Indiana Jones going from point A to point B spelled out in like a, a red line. Like on a map? Yeah. And it yeah. they the on a treasure map that you have soaked in water or left in the sun, depending on. Yes. And it literally, even in the Japanese version, it flies over what the game calls the red country. China. Oh no. Oh, that's that's what I was that's what I was stopping the the it it could be Ru- it could be Russia. It was could be Russia. It was, it was the 80s. Um Yeah. I have a question. Uh, what if your map is ruined? Is the game over? Yeah. All right. Incredible. Game over. Incredible. Well, we'll get into it a little bit, but there's other ways that you can game over. Um, After hang gliding over the red country, the salary man fights pirates on the island. I love that his name is the salary man, even after he's ostensibly quit his job. I hope it's a title that gets passed down. (laughs) (laughs) You are now the salary man. Um, There can only be one. We'll, we'll find out. Not really. Um, let's see. After the hang landing over the red, red country, the salary man fights pirates on the island of the South Seas to as find the hidden treasure. Finding the treasure and claiming it as your own presents the player with a lackluster picture of Kitano's face, stating, You played through this all the way? Sucker! Don't take things like this so seriously. That's like that um, at the end of the Jurassic Park movie, wasn't it? Jurassic Park video game uh with with david gold with jeff goldblum jeff goldblum yeah where, where he's, he's like he's like go outside get some sunshine get this rub the stink off you or blow the stink off you i'm kind of surprised that you know about that well because i like jeff goldblum himself and i watched okay. an interview with him all right, all right okay at this point it's important to note that you can punch and kill any other character in the game because of course be they the pirates, random citizens in Japan, your boss, the old man at the karaoke bar, or your wife, your wife, or your children. Wow. So question, <laughs> um, punching kills? If you punch um, hard enough. Enough punching kills. Okay. So you have way. to like beat them to death. Yeah. A sudden violence. And and just so, just so we're clear, so this is this is throughout the game, or this is post game, or is throughout. this just a side quest so, okay. that you can we'll, go we'll, on? We'll, if you're we'll get there. It? So we'll if my there. boss tells me to get my life together, I can just punch him and kill him, <laughs> and now I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how like the world usually works. And then and then I don't get drunk. I <laughs> my wife doesn't beat me, and then I never find a treasure map. <laughs> And then it's like, congratulations, game over. <laughs> you win. Yeah. Failing to kill the old man at the bar causes him to follow you and beat you to the treasure, losing the game. Wow. Failing wow. To... So you have to kill an old man. After wait, he wait, gives... wait, failing to kill the old man. Do I have the option to not even fight him? You, yeah. 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 Will he still follow me around? Not on screen, but... <laughs> The intention on my, next, on my next playthrough, I know I have to kill the old man. Yeah, pretty much. 
Failing to kill the old man at the karaoke bar causes him to follow you and beat you to the treasure, losing the game. Failing to divorce your wife or quit your job forces either your wife or your boss to repatriate you back to Japan, losing the game. Huh. Wow, this is specific and somewhat mean-spirited. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the creator did not like video games. Yes. So he made like the most challenging un-video game that you could think of. Of course, the player can bypass all of this and skip to the end of the game by pressing the punch button at the title screen 20,000 times. (laughs) Wow. Is there there a counter? No. (laughs) You just do it until you win. Oh my god. Oh, can we do some math? How long does it how long would that take? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? Would it would it take me less time than waiting an hour for my map to dry in the sun? Oh god. Let, let me Oh, do, I don't think so. Let me do some quick math. Hold on some a second. 20,000. Talk, talk no. amongst yourselves. Can we have the Jeopardy like, theme song play right here? Oh, I'll yeah. see what I can do. I'm, hey, yeah, I'm not that great post. at editing. You guys, I've been watching a new show, and it's actually a very old show, but it's it's a Is new it show. It's kind it of E-Man? like it's kind of like Jeopardy. It's kind of like Wheel of Fortune, but it's a British show called Countdown. Have okay. you heard of this show? I have not. No. So like, it's I a, think I have, but I'll bring it up later. When I lived in England, people Countdown. watched Australian sitcoms. <laughs> Countdown is like a 20-year-old staple, which is, it's very like Wheel of Fortune. Like, it's it's a dry game show that people go on and they have mm-hmm. to like rearrange letters to get the longest word or they have to do math problems. It's, it's, it's fine. What I've been watching is 8 out of 10 Cats does Countdown, which is just... Uh, comedians, which is just British comedians doing this game show, and it's brilliant. I highly recommend you all watch it. Oh, I love British comedians. It's all on YouTube. Okay. Watch it all on YouTube. Okay. 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 Yep, yep, that yep. sounds well. When you I said eight out of ten cats, I I did get a little excited, thinking there were going to be little paws moving words around, oh, no. and like no actual cats. I was eight, eight out of ten cats is a separate comedy show. So eight out of ten cats does countdown is is like bringing the like crossover between the two. Yeah, but like yeah. I got yeah. I got really into it while I got into Taskmaster. Like it's it's just great. It's a great show. On that topic, have you guys? And maybe you're part of this cult. I don't know. Has has your Facebook feed suddenly become filled with people playing Wordle? I mean, I don't Facebook uh, very often. Yeah, same. But I do know um, that. But I do uh, play Wordle every once in a while. Yeah, there was there was a bit. I I have not played it, but I saw a bit from the Daily Show where Trevor Noah was like he was talking to the he does the those things where he like talks to the the audience when he had an audience or like the crew, and uh-huh. then um, he was talking to somebody. He's just like, "What's Wordle? Oh." Oh, you are you mean to tell me that you have a life? And then he's like, "Oh yeah, it's a game. It's a game that I, uh, you know, I and uh, a few others who do not have lives play." And then he proceeded to describe it, and I, I was just like, "All right, yeah, I, I, I did finish the clip, but uh, it's a word game. It's Literally, all like, like people just post like, like a screenshot of like this weird, the weird, the, I guess it's the the screen of their their Scrabble board or whatever with like these numbers that make no sense to me, and they're like, "Oh, had a rough time in that second word or or whatever," and and I'm like, I get. It's just so weird to see something that you have no idea the context of, but you're like, I can still tell you're humble bragging. Oh, that's exactly oh. what it is. That's exactly what okay. it is. You're just posting your scores on Facebook. It's so weird. Speaking I finally... of... Go ahead, Dean. Speaking Sorry. of numbers that make no sense to anybody. So I did the math. 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on my extremely limited knowledge of speed running, an idea, kind of ideal uh, presses per second is 13. 13 presses per second? Yes. Wow, that's a whole... Sh- that's Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That's a um, lot. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Um, do they use a program to do that, or do they physically... No, I, I think I, th- I think that's the like physical limit. Do you do that? No, no. no. I could do five. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no. That's like the 2022 like equivalent of like a man. Like, can you do that as a man? Like, no, I can't do that. I'm I gotta like- go back into training. Anyway, montage, montage. <laughs> I've been trying to think of that word all day, and this made me think of montage. Thank you. So, 13 presses per second. That's times ridiculous. 60 seconds per minute. That's 780 presses per second or per minute. Multiply that or divide that. Oh, wait, Just tell us the I number. Do, do 20,000 divided by that number. I think it takes 25 minutes to do the 20,000 time check. Oh my God. Worth it. Worth if it for like a speed run. So, like solid, like do if you do a solid like thirteen presses per second. Still soaking the map map in water. Yeah, and that's and that's like uninterrupted though, right? Like that's if you don't have a hand cramp, which yeah, if you're I think pressing that, a button twenty thousand yeah. times. Yeah, we're also pressing, like we're pressing just, the limits of theoretical for humans that have which any has, like sort sort of empathy. You're punching, yeah. which I was not anticipating. An avatar of another human death for twenty five minutes. Twenty five plus. Are you punching a person? Uh, or are you just punching no. at the title screen. No, you're pressing oh. a button at the title screen. Oh, okay. Sorry, uh, I got confused okay. and thought we were killing someone here. No. All right, I'm less horrified now. Uh, so that is basically the story of Beat Takeshi and Takeshi's Challenge. That's, oh God. I, Dean, I almost want to be mad at you. <laughs> but like, that was, that was, I can't say that wasn't interesting, but I have no idea what I was interested in. <laughs> I don't know what I just learned. We're at the beginning of a question no one asked. Yeah. 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 I liked it's hanging like, out. That was fun. Oh, yeah. God oh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> But yeah, now I just like now I just like I'm like what is now I'm what confused is... and a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like are our video games a waste of time? All that stuff that we were talking about in terms of like how to pass your time and everything. Please. I'm like now I'm like was please, I wrong? Please like, don't tell me they're a waste of time. I have well, nothing no, else. No, well, okay, if I can if I can so paint it, this if I can paint this in a broad spectrum, I might not be the person to do this. We'll narrow so, it down if we can. Yeah, I yeah. think if you spend time on something that you're passionate about and you feel is worthwhile, then no, no, it's not a waste of time. It doesn't matter if you're really passionate about pressing the A button 20,000 times in 25 minutes. That's an accomplishment in itself. I, I have, I have not looked into this and I could guarantee you there's a speed running category on this game about pressing the A button 20,000 times. But like, like, well, like we've discussed a few minutes ago, it's like we're living in a time where we don't have to hunt down our food. It's like constantly abundant. Um, yes, not everyone is created equal. Some people are more fortunate economically, but like we're we, we're not going to get eaten by lions for the most part. Um, yeah. Your greatest threat is other humans, especially if you're female. But what do you want to? What What is your passion and what goals you set? It's, I I view video games as as a different kind of reading 
So Mm -hmm. it's all storytelling. So my dad is probably dyslexic and he, because he was born in 45, no one knew what was going on with him. Like they didn't know he was colorblind. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they just thought he was stupid. So he got shunted to the side of school and his reading skills aren't great, but he loves listening to books on tape once he discovered Mm -hmm. that. So is that any less of a consumer of, of, a, of an art than someone who reads a book? Like, why is it that you're only like esoteric and educated when you read a story? Like, yes. yeah. like why is that the only way to consume um, someone else's tale? It's like going to the theater. People are out there telling you a story. They're acting and suddenly that's high art. And you're like really classy because you're like going to the theater. Well, if you're watching a movie, that's, that's not classy. Eat. And, and like, I know people are like, well, movies are formulaic. I'm sorry. I'm on a soapbox. I'm going to stay here for a minute. This is a filibuster. Shush. And like, so like, <laughs> so like, oh man, so somebody, shush. I'm, I'm not yielding. I somebody go cursed in Sinema. Oh, I do not yield the shit. floor. Um, so like somebody, so, so people are like, okay, movies are formulaic. They have specific, well, all stories. I'm, I'm telling you all stories are formulaic since I've gotten into writing. There are like so many classes on where your tent poles are. This is where your midpoint, and this has to happen here. And this is the false victory. And this is like, and you know what? I don't do any of that shit, but you know what? My stories automatically go that way because I've heard and read and listened to so many and told them so many different ways. Like it's, we humans know how to tell stories to each other. So it's not like all marketing bullshit. I don't care what you're listening to. So Brian, whatever way you choose to consume your stories. Yeah. If that's how your heart sings. And if that's what inspires you to go out and like be courageous in your day, I say it is valid and it is important and worthy. And if that means that you need to press a button 20,000 times to get to the next part in the story, just fucking do it, man. Hell I mean, yeah! You know what? I, I, I move my legs 20,000 times because I like to go out and run along the lakefront to listen to my stories in my head. Some people think that's crazy. You guys. True. We could get this onto the Nintendo Switch, right? And then put on the Fitbit, the... the uh, what was the, it called? The, the wheel. Fit. The ring fit. The wheel. The, the wheel ring of, fit. Wheel of time. And wheel it has that. It has that strap that you you put one of the controllers on your leg, and you could just you could just take twenty thousand steps and beat this game. I have that. <laughs> uh, Brian stopped telling Meredith about that. Yeah, because Dean used it once, and then it collected dust until I was like, "Do you want to put that somewhere?" Shut up. <laughs> um. But one thing that one thing that I've been saying probably for and I'm not I'm not using this phrase lightly. One thing that I've been saying for about 10 years now is I think that video games are kind of the next wave of art in that you started off with books like and that's you reading words and then you move to movies which is you like actually seeing actors portray things and i realized there was acting before movies came out so i kind of consider that like the the combination of the two well each art form it also requires gave access different to more skills people. yes right, right, right. and mm-hmm. and i'm getting that but like the next step is you have video games where you have actions being taken but it's actually you taking those actions mm-hmm. yep and and like humans are already trying to move 
film in you know more in the direction of games and and vice versa like games more in the direction of film one of like an example that i just thought of is that when i saw the uh the marvel film eternals this past fall when it was still like relatively safe to go to movie theaters um i went with a friend of mine who likes to go to movies late in the evening now because he's got a a two-year-old daughter and like she usually goes to sleep by 10 so we try to go to like late shows and we went to go see a 4dx version uh of of eternals which is basically like a roller coaster ride yeah but i was like oh yeah they're really trying to like put you inside of the movie because they spray water at you and there's like wind gusts and there's like it's it's nuts like brian i do can recommend- you take me take me take me oh yeah yeah absolutely it's <laughs> take me now uh, joe it's in, in a different context press my yes, flesh press right the now flesh. Uh, my god that would be a very different 40x experience let me tell you what oh but uh that is, a, imagine that is a triple x experience like, oh, I didn't know that they had a 40X showing of Boogie Nights. That's weird. Um, <laughs> That's damn. not water. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yes, this is all to say that, like, the entertainment industries are, are trying to move closer to, like, giving people that, that like, enveloping experience of, like, being in the actual story that is being presented. That which are what video games... Exactly. Yeah, that's what video games have been doing since the, their inception. You know? I've really moved away from a lot of multiplayer games because the things mm-hmm. that do interest me are my single player stories. Because Same. like mm-hmm. I want to be entertained, not just run around shooting people. There's a certain amount of time, people. like when you get a story, when a story is given to you, whether you're reading it or watching it or playing it, there's like everyone takes that in in a different way mm-hmm. and does yes. different things with it. Um, I just, I think it's all fascinating. I think it's all, if anything, if any kind of storytelling and story listening is valid and they have to be because otherwise art is not valid and then life sucks, then I believe that all forms must be valid. So let me ask this question to kind of wrap everything up and I'm expecting totally different answers from all of you guys. Are we supposed to take turns? Um, Maybe, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't really done this on the podcast before. But based on what you've heard from this game, is it a good game? Yes, I think so. I agree. I I will I will disagree with you. I don't think it's a very good video game in that. Well, let me let me preface this by saying that my favorite video game ever is Mega Man X1 for the Super Nintendo, and that starts off Really with, you like Mega Man? Okay, glossing over that. Who's um, Mega Man? What shirt you have on? I like Giga Man better. Oh, I'm, all right, I'm ending the Zoom call. Um, <laughs> but um, my my favorite video game ever is Mega Man X One for the Super Nintendo, and the opening stage like teaches you how to play the game. And not only does it teach you how to play the game, but it does so without words. Like it does so by like putting you in a situation and forcing you to like learn the mechanics of the game in a very truncated amount of time. And this game does almost the complete opposite of that. It almost punishes you for not knowing what's coming up, even though I, it, even though it doesn't really do anything to educate you about what's coming up. I think this is a um, you know this could be um, the difference between our different cultures for sure. But um, mm. Japan ha- Japan has a lot of things that are like visual novels, right? Where it has. Yeah so many stories with different endings and like it doesn't tell you like how to get the best ending right away you have to play it 
over and over again to see like where your consequences have taken you and where you can make different choices. And And so that just might be a difference in like culture and storytelling that we have. And that, and that's what I was going to say. Like, do I think it's a very good video game? No, I don't think it is. Do I think it's a great work of satire? Yes. Oh my Mm. God. Yes. Oh, that makes makes sense. But then does it not in that become a different way of being a very good video game because exactly it yeah. is a different that, genre of video exactly game. it kind of it was kind of it's kind of the first one of the first examples of making you you as a recipient of this art questioning that kind of thing so it is a good video game I mean, I don't think I would enjoy playing it. I don't think it's a great. <laughs> well, it's like it's like Dadaism. Like, does anyone actually enjoy? I don't think it's a Dadaism. Great... It's it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable and like yes. Yes. And horrible. But like, but like, is it still valid and important as an art form? I think my answer to that question would be yes. I don't think it's a great video game, but I think it's a great piece of art. Oh but... yeah, you know, I can I can see that too. Like art. We, we had this discussion at the side project a theater company that Dean and I were involved in in Chicago like many times because the whole side project's whole like MO was to do theater that made you think and discuss and like mm-hmm. often made you uncomfortable. Like, you know, it wasn't a bubblegum kind of thing. Yeah. So, and, and it's like, sometimes you're not in the mood for that art and that is, that is fine. We're actually um, in our writing group, we're having a discussion right now because one of our, one of our writers is writing a beautiful piece all involving the death of a child and it's really well written and it evokes a lot of emotion and everyone's like and her her editor is like you realize this is a hard sell right now this is not what people are wanting in 2022 after Mm -hmm. everything we've been through so like that video game right now probably wouldn't do very well I don't think that that means it's not valid not a good piece of art shouldn't have been created so that being said, thank you so much for joining us, all three of you, for today's episode. I I don't intend there to be a definite end to this episode, like whether it's a good piece of art or whether it's not. I have well, that's the person. point of art is it encourages discussion. Exactly. I, I was just going to say, in order for us to end the episode, does does somebody need to push a button like 20,000 times for you, for the Joe, definitive go. end to have? If, Start pushing If you, if you wanted to do that, you should have been doing that at like 7.09. Anyway. Um, We're stuck here uh, in a loop. We, we are. <laughs> Brian. Yo. Joe. Meredith. Thank you so yes. much for joining us today. You're welcome. Um, I've had a I'm time. So happy, I'm so happy for the exposure. I'm... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I've had a great time discussing this game with all of you. Uh, Joe, Meredith, Brian, is there anything that you would like to plug before we end today's episode? I'll let Joe go first. Just don't be afraid to to ingest art that's outside of your comfort zone, kids. That's all I got to say. All right, Bye. Brian? Uh, be nice to each other. Oh, good one. I love that we kind of like ended this episode on a really like happy, fuzzy, embracing all artists note. I, yeah. I I like it. And I think like consume and support each other's art as much as you can. Okay. There is room on the planet for everyone's success. Agreed. Indeed. Meredith, in the interest of fairness, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we close today's episode? I mean, I'm I'm still blogging away at Meredith3Alliance.com slash faster and hopefully more 
to come on that soon. All right. That being said, uh, I think that brings today's episode to a close. If you'd like to reach out to us, we can be found on Twitter at StageVGH. And uh, we have a Gmail address at its opening stage vgh at gmail.com there uh if you'd like to suggest that we reach out to you on some other way uh some people talk about an interest of us reaching out to them on tiktok uh i might be a little too old of a man for that uh no, you're not. get off my lawn damn hey tiktok uh, is an that. art form and it's valid okay <laughs> um oh oh yeah <laughs> Oh, shit. My arguments, they're all falling. Can you see them in the Zoom call? (laughs) But anyway, to whoever you are listening to this, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Thank you to our guests for taking time out of their day. Everyone's time. All of it is very important. And I appreciate that you've spent that time with us. Uh, So thank you so much. Send us your time. Give us your time. I just aged a year because they stole my time. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is Opening Stage VGH, the video game history podcast for everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.